About Empathy is a podcast that focuses on patient, caregiver, and healthcare provider experiences with serious illness. We are now in our third season. Thank you for listening. Week by week, we hope these engaging conversations inspire you to have empathic and compassionate interactions. I'm Dr. Giovanna Siriani, and I'm here with my co-hosts. I'm Dr. Irene Ying. And I'm Dr. Dori Sekaracha. We are physicians working in palliative care and psychosocial oncology at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre in Toronto. This podcast gives voice to the patient, caregiver, and healthcare provider experience. By reflecting on their stories, we hope to improve our practice and yours. In season two, we spoke to Andrea Warnick, a registered psychotherapist and educator on the topic of grief in children. This season, we wanted to share the story of the Girardi family. Throughout her three years of cancer treatments, Cassia remained open and honest with her four daughters. When Cassia learned that her cancer had metastasized to her brain and that the end of her life was near, she and her husband, Ricardo, worked together to make family life memorable and to prepare for her death. Cassia died in December 2019. Ricardo is here today to tell us about what grief has looked like for him and for his daughters. Ricardo, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Could you please tell us a little bit about Cassia and about your daughters? Okay, yeah. So Cassia, about three and a half years ago, she was pregnant, five months pregnant with twin girls. They were our third and fourth children. We already had two older ones. And while she was pregnant, she was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer. A few days after she was diagnosed, she had lumpectomy to remove the tumor. A couple months later, the babies were born, healthy, beautiful, everything went well. And 15 days after the babies were born, she started chemotherapy. And a few months later, radiation therapy. We thought that everything was good. The doctors were confident that the treatments would work and that the cancer would be something in the past. But unfortunately, one year after that, the cancer came back in the brain. And again, more treatments, more surgeries. Things seemed to be working, but unfortunately, her cancer was very aggressive and it kept coming back. And then in October last year, came back again. And at that point, the doctor said that there were pretty much little that they could do to help her. And then we started palliative care. Cassia passed away on December 31st last year. I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah. Thank you. Very yeah. sorry. And we have four daughters. The twins are now three years old. And as you mentioned, one of the things that we tried to do throughout this whole journey was being very honest with the girls, especially with the older ones. But even right now with the little ones, I tell them about their mother. I tell them what happened. And I try to be as honest as I can. Obviously, keeping, you know, their ages into account, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, we talked about it and we always talked about it since the beginning. And I think that was something very important to all of us. And I think it helped and it still helps us, you know, going through everything, you know, understanding it and being open, honestly discussing, you know, about it. Can you tell us a little bit when you said you were open with your daughters throughout the whole process? Like, were there certain words that you tried to use with them? Like, how would you explain what was going on? And were there things that you would try to avoid using when talking to your daughters? By open, I really mean open. I remember that when we were driving back home from Sunnybrook on the day that she was diagnosed with the cancer, I asked Cassia, 
do you want to call somebody? Do you want to stop, talk to a friend? Do you want to you know, call your sister you know, in Brazil? And she said, no, I want to go home. And I want to talk to my daughters because they will be the first ones to know and they will hear it from me. And that's what she did. You know, we came back home that same day and she called the girls and said, this is what's going on. I've been diagnosed with cancer. There will be treatments, there will be surgery, and, and she was open, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really amazing. I think it shows a lot of strength, yep. strength and courage, and I think different people take different approaches. It yep. shows a lot of character on her part. Correct, yeah. No, she was really brave throughout you know, everything. And you asked if like, we tried not to use some words. or uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we just tried to make sure that you know, we were not saying anything that we also did not know. So if the doctors told us something, we would tell them while there was still treatments. We were telling them, hey, there's still treatment. We're still hopeful that they're going to work, you know, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But and when the doctors told us, hey, there are no more treatments and we're starting like palliative care, mm-hmm. we called them and we told them that, mm. you know, I don't think we'd really soften anything or use okay. you know, different words. How did you and Cassia work together to help prepare your daughters for her death? And how did you work to create memories and to create a legacy for Cassia with your girls? Yeah, so I think it was, there was a two front, right? So the hospital, they offered support to us and they offered social workers and a child life specialists and we used that. So a child life specialist from Sunnybrook would come to our home and do activities with the girls with Cassia to help them remember Cassia, right? Mm -hmm. So they did paintings and, you know, crafts and and lots of things. So today they still have the pillowcases that they imprinted Cassia's handprints Mm. on on the pillowcases and they still sleep with them. Mm. Uh, So it's great, right? And at the same time, Cassia wanted to do those kinds of things. So she would sometimes push her own limits to create experience and give their children nice things to remember her for. So I remember that in uh, October, a little before the doctors told us that there were no more treatments, we actually went to Mexico. So we we spent one week. She was really having a hard time walking at that time. Mm. But she still wanted to come, right? So she went there and we spent a lovely week with the family. Our family from Brazil joined us there. And it was something that the girls still talk about it today as a a nice experience with their mom. A special memory. A special memory, yeah. Ricardo, how old is your oldest daughter? She is 14 now. What are the differences in talking to a teenager? And you mentioned that the twins are three. So those are very different conversations, I would imagine. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's different. And I would say that with Giselle Mm -hmm. and Livia, our oldest, we're more open. We use the proper words. We use the medical words. I mean, not only right now, but, you know, throughout the whole journey. Again, if you learn something from the doctors, you know, we would... Yeah. talk to them about those things. With the twins, it was a little bit different because they are, you know, little. They're babies, mm-hmm. right? But even right now, I learned from some of our social workers, the yeah. child life specialists that came in and helped us. They suggested that we didn't soften or use, you know, things like mom went to sleep now or mom right. went somewhere because it's hard for them to understand. So it's best to use the proper words. So I actually tell them that their mom died. It is hard 
for us to say those things. It hurts me when I tell them that, but it is the right way. And I understand now why that is, why being honest about it is better. And they understand what's going on, even though they are little, they understand and they ask more questions now. And then I tell them a little bit more. They ask, why did she die? And I said, well, because she was sick. And then I explain a little bit more. Again, cancer and those words to them don't make any sense. But knowing that their mom was sick and, you know, she could not recover, that's something that I can explain. And I try to explain that language. So it sounds like that gentle honesty is something that you were able to do with the kids, no matter what age they were. Correct. And I think that's key, right? Yeah. And you're creating an environment where they feel like they can ask you questions. Yeah. Correct. And there's no fear of, oh, if I ask this question, I might cause distress. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ask that question. You're creating an environment where they're allowed to ask questions. Yeah. Again, and that's something that I learned from Cassia from the beginning. I think I would say I was more restricted. I said, should we say this or, you know, should we? And Cassia said, yes, we should. It's a learning process, right? And, and we learned. We learned together and we saw that those things were working as hard as some of those conversations were. It was best for them to know exactly what was going on. Then, then we saying something, oh, mom's fine, mom's fine. And then suddenly, oh, mom's no longer yeah. fine. And, you know, now she has just a, f- a few months, you know, or something like that. So, so they knew what was going on. So they didn't feel tricked. Yeah, right, and, yes. and I think that was right. very important for everybody. And it was also important for Cassia, right? So it was important for her to have those conversations with her daughters and to tell them what she wanted to say and help prepare them, you know. And Ricardo, you're supporting your daughters now through their own grief, but we can imagine that you're going through your own grief. And how has that been for you, trying to navigate your grief while also supporting them? It's, uh, it's challenging, right? We don't know how we're going to deal with these situations until the situation mm-hmm. comes. I think we're never really prepared, but we try to do the best we can, right? Dealing with my grief, it's still challenging. You know, it's been seven months and it's still hard. It's still painful remembering, you know, some of those things. But on the other hand, having four children and then knowing that I need to care for them, mm-hmm gives me the strength, Mm. you know, so I think it's a balance there, you know, and they definitely give me support and strength and all of that and the will, you know, to continue. And I hope that I do the same for them, right? So that's very nicely said. Yes, very. So Ricardo, at the end of our podcast, we ask all our guests the same question. The statement starts with, if only they knew. Is there something that you would want healthcare professionals to know about your situation, about your family, about children's grief? Is there something that you think they should know that they don't already know? There's a lot of support in terms of mental health care and child life specialists and all of those that are available to us. Perhaps if we knew about some of those options a little bit sooner, we could have started in a little bit sooner. And I think that would have been helpful. I'm glad to hear that you feel like you had good support. But I think that's a helpful consideration is that it would have been nice to have that support even earlier. If there are any parents who are in a similar situation listening to this podcast, do you have any advice for them? If only they knew and they were in the same situation as you, what would you tell them? I would tell them that I think being honest with our kids is the best thing that we can do for them in this situation. They are already going through so much and 
being honest with them is actually kind of a gift that we can give them. We're not tricking them, we're not lying, you know, they don't have to feel that way. And even though some of those conversations are hard, are really hard, I think it's still the best choice that we ever made. I think that's a really important message for parents who are in a similar situation to hear. So thank you. Thank you very much for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to About Empathy. We're going to take a short break to tell you about how the show is supported, and we'll be right back. The third season of About Empathy has been funded through donations to the palliative care team via the Sunnybrook Foundation. Sunnybrook is committed to patient engagement and care. By partnering with Sunnybrook, we hope that this podcast embeds patient and family experiences in all teaching and learning. To learn more about the education initiatives at Sunnybrook, visit sunnybrook.ca. About Empathy is recorded at Wellspring. Wellspring Cancer Support Foundation is a network of community-based support centers offering professionally-led programs and services to help people living with cancer and those who care for them. No referral is necessary, and Wellspring programs are offered free of charge. During the pandemic, all programs are available as online support groups, webinars, or as telephone-based supports via Well on the Web. Visit wellspring.ca to find a center location near you or to access national online programming. Welcome back to About Empathy. Really appreciated talking to Ricardo this morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was he's amazing. such an inspiration, him and his wife, like how they dealt with such a difficult situation. And I really liked the advice that he gave at the end around how being honest with his kids was the best decision they made. And I think Andrea Warnick last season kind of touched upon it too, because kids are so observant, right? Mm -hmm. Like they really try to figure out what's going on. And if you don't tell them the truth, if you're not honest with them, they're also very imaginative and they can create their own truth and it can be far worse than what the reality is. So I was really happy that he mentioned that at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes me think about how I think as parents in general, we want to be honest with our kids Mm -hmm. in every other situation and in every other scenario. So why would a situation where you have cancer or a challenging diagnosis or Mm -hmm. where end of life might be the reality that you're dealing with, why would you not be honest in that situation? I think about it in that way. You want to be honest all the time, but why not in this situation? It's good parenting advice and it extends to this situation, which is an exceptional one. I think it speaks to the other side of parenting, where it's like, we always want to protect our children from harm. Mm -hmm. But again, it reminds me of something that Andrea said last year, where she said, our job as parents is not to shield our children from pain and difficult times. It's how do we help them, give them the skills to get through it. I think that's what Ricardo and his wife are doing. Which I don't think is a natural inclination of being a parent, or maybe that's North American but Cassia seemed to have an innate skill that I don't think I see in most people mm-hmm. of knowing how hard it would be, but still her driving force was to be honest with them, make the children the first one. And it sounded to me like she helped Ricardo with that as well, because his natural inclination was to be a little more shy of that honesty. Mm-hmm. But in the end, obviously, he felt it was really important. And it sounds like having the child health workers at their home was wonderful. I'm so glad that they had that available to them. Mm -hmm. 
and that they had the access to that because yes. I don't think that access is readily available to all so that they could be there to help facilitate that yes. legacy making, that memory Absolutely. making. I don't think everyone has access to that. And so I'm glad that for them, that was something they could take advantage of. Yeah, it would have been amazing to hear Cassia's perspective on where she got the strength from mm. to do that, right? Because I'd like to think that if I was in a similar situation, that I would make similar decisions. But it's such an emotional yeah. time. Personally, I can sympathize with how hard it is as a parent to be honest, use the right words. I know when my youngest was diagnosed with autism, you know, I always had that struggle with, well, what do I tell them about this? Do I use the word? Do we even tell him that he has that? And I chose pretty early on to talk to him about, you have something called autism and trying to normalize it. It's a different way of thinking. And although that was really, really hard for me in the beginning, especially to know, well, how do I say it, even though my inclination was to want to be honest, it has, I can say, the certainty that that's had a positive impact on my son, just little things that come up where he'll talk about, well, because of my autism, then, you know, this or that. And he says it with clarity and not being upset about it and I just think it was the right way to go, but very difficult. Mm -hmm. Was it left up to you, Dory, and your husband to talk about that? Or was that something you had support around? Oh, no one ever talked to us about talking to him about that. That was definitely left up to us. I had a wonderful therapist who years later, who worked with Niccolo as a young adult, who ended up writing a book and asked me about that because she realized the importance of that. You know, as treatment for autism moves forward, she's writing about the importance of how to talk to your children about that. But, you know, this was 20 years ago. That just wasn't talked about back then when he was young. You know, and I'm so glad as that field moves forward, that idea of how do you talk to your children about this issue is happening. Makes me feel sad that you were on your own. Well, I think back then there was just so little happening that you kind of went by the seat of your pants. And I think that decision worked out. When I look back, I can say I wish I had did other things differently. But for sure, being honest with your kids and using the real words, mm -hmm. I can see the benefit of that for many issues. I think things have come a long way yeah. in terms of making sure that parents at least have some resources to talk to their kids. But I think it's still a huge gap because oftentimes it's not until something really devastating has happened where we'll bring in these supports, right. but it would be so helpful in many different facets of life. So yeah. I'm glad that Ricardo got the support that he needed, yes. but I know there's probably a lot of parents out there who aren't able to. Yeah, I think the other thing that struck me about what Ricardo was talking about was Cassia's love of travel and how mm -hmm. they went to Mexico as a family a few months before she died and how that was really important for her. And that was, you know, a memory that the kids and the whole family still thinks about and talks about together. And that despite her illness, she wanted to travel and continue to travel throughout her time with cancer and that she made memories with her kids in that way. Yeah, I love that because he talked a bit about creating the pillows and the physical mm -hmm. things. But I think when we all think about our childhoods, oftentimes the things that really stick with us are the experiences more than anything else. And she really did that by pushing herself a little bit more yeah. so that she could do some of these things with her children. 
Yeah. And Ricardo mentioned that six months, I think, after her diagnosis, she took her two oldest daughters to Japan. And that's something that they still talk about when they're eating sushi together. And that was a dream of hers. And she realized that dream, even though she was recently diagnosed. I wish she had talked about it a little bit more during the podcast because he was saying his two older girls still bring it up, I think, weekly. Mm, Yeah. I think it speaks to what you were saying. And that memory making is not just about physical objects or things that you leave behind, but it could be experiences and special times together. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also think it was really important that he mentioned it would have been nice to even hear earlier the importance of being honest. So I think that's helpful for all healthcare professionals to realize you don't need to leave that discussion to the end when someone is really unwell, but the importance of even at the beginning talking to our patients about how they're going to talk to their children and their families I think that was a really good point he made, because sometimes I think we forget to say that Mm -hmm. early on. From a physician perspective, part of it might be that we also are hoping that we don't need to go down that route for a while, right? That we're also just as hopeful as the families that the next line of treatment is going to hold things steady for a while. So it's not just the patients and their families necessarily, but it's the healthcare providers too, trying to avoid the difficult discussions, hoping that, you know, the best possible outcome will happen. But even if the best possible outcome happens, being honest with your children You went through the experience of talking to them, Mm -hmm. and that's that part of building the skill, right? Mm -hmm. So I think our natural tendency to, well, maybe they won't have to talk to their kids because it's all going to work out. I don't think that's even the best thing because talking to your kids, even if the best thing happens, is still worthy in and of itself. Very true. And I think they're an amazing couple and they're an amazing family. And I'm just so glad that you took the time to talk to us. Yes. Yeah. We hope the story that you heard today has inspired you to engage in compassionate, authentic, and empathic interactions. Subscribe to About Empathy on Apple Podcasts or listen on our website, aboutempathy.com. When you subscribe and rate our podcast, it helps others find us. The episode will be added to your app when we publish. Please share our podcast with your family, friends, colleagues, and health professionals. You can find the notes from today's episode and information about our show on the website. About Empathy is a Kickback Productions podcast hosted by Giovanna Siriani, Dori Sakaraja, and Irene Yang. Recorded and produced by Jackie Skinner, with additional production and writing by Laura Takahashi. Music by Jerry Finn and Jackie Skinner. The podcast is recorded on-site at Wellspring and funded by the Sunnybrook Foundation at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre. Visit us at aboutempathy.com.